Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. <laughs> Rick White, here's Radulov with a kiss. Scores! One timer, scores! Perry scores! Corey Perry! Here's Drysdale again, turns, shoots, scores! Austin Matthews in shoots, Austin Matthews! Schultz ahead, Crosby onside, behind the fence towards the net, he scores! Back across, fired, score! Crosby again! Tames with a shot, he scores! Tames shoves it front, they score! Jonathan Tames ties it! Look at that! Are you watching this? What a brilliant piece of work from Connor McDavid! Wow. Our next guest is back for his third visit to the Two Months Podcast. He is the president of RSG Hockey, Elaine Waugh. Al, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no, pleasure. Pleasure is all ours. Uh, how are things going? Uh, and uh, what's uh, anything new and exciting? Well, I'm going a little COVID crazy, answering the same questions over and over again because everybody, everybody keeps calling me to find out when we start playing. Yeah. And uh, if I had that answer, I'd be a rich man. We, uh, we're still waiting for some dates. Yeah, no, exactly. And we'll, we'll get into that real soon here. So as we get along with the podcast, but uh, Brody's, uh, he's his first time doing an interview. So he's going to take it over here. So uh, he's breaking his interview uh, cherry, I guess you could say. So <laughs> take it away, Brods. Take it easy, nice to Brody. Good. How you doing? Doing well, thanks. What's the weather like down there? Uh, you know what? Beautiful fall day here in St. Louis. Sunny and about 55 degrees. So oh, can't complain. Good to hear. Good to hear. So if we start here, I look back at your history. It looks like you're Harvard educated. And then you're lucky enough to play for the Canadian National Program. So uh, talk to us about that for a little bit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I hide my Ivy League Ivy League education very well, but uh, yes, I, I did uh, graduate from Harvard in '92. I was fortunate enough to play there from '88 to '92. In my my freshman year, '88-'89, uh, we won the national championship. So we had very good teams while I was there. Um, moved on from there, got drafted by Winnipeg in '89. Uh, back in the old days, when we had the national program. Uh, where we'd play a 72-game schedule around the world, and we were based in Calgary. Uh, my first NHL camp, Mike Smith was a GM then. He gave me the choice of going to the American League or joining Team Canada. So that was 92-93, uh, and I, uh, I decided to join the Canadian team. I played there for that season uh, and the beginning of uh, the 94 season. And then I got cut right before the Olympics. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, yeah. A guy by the name of uh, Corey Hirsch came in and took my job, but oh, who's yeah. who's still a really good friend. And uh, so, uh, but then they picked me back up for the Olympics, uh, maybe two weeks before the Olympics, they picked me back up. I was playing in Finland at that point and I, I rejoined team Canada. So the three goalies were Corey Hirsch, Manny Legacy, who's a great friend and was also a client, and, and myself. And did you get uh -huh. into any games? No, Hershey played every game, and he was lights out. He was okay. uh, he was un he was unbeatable. So uh, Manny and I just had hot dogs and watched. Yeah, it's worth <laughs> having to do that. That would be pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so from there, it says you went to, uh, you took over a company called Crimson Marketing and Management. Um, tell us about that for a little bit. Yeah, so when I, I stopped playing hockey. I think I retired from hockey. I was turning 28. Uh, kind of became a bit of a serial entrepreneur. My first year, uh, our family had a restaurant. We had a professional roller hockey team called the St. Louis Vipers, RHI. And then I had a, uh, a tech company. And uh, I you know, enjoyed dabbling in a lot of different stuff, but I wanted to get back to the hockey world. And uh, just by chance, I ran into a guy by the name of Dennis Polonich, who lives in Calgary. And Dennis was an agent. We were playing in an alumni game against each other. And uh, he was partners with Mel Bridgman. I don't know if you guys remember Mel. He was the first GM of the Ottawa Senators, played for the Broad Street Bullies. And Mel had been an agent for a while and it was slowly getting out of the business. So the timing was perfect. I was getting in. He was getting out. I, I bought a piece of his company and then during the 05 lockout, bought him out completely. And that was kind of the beginning of uh, Crimson Marketing Group, CMG Sports. That was my the first iteration of my agency, basically, in, uh, in the year 2000. That's awesome. And the rest is history, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, what do, you guys, uh, do you focus on a certain area or just uh, all over the place? Or do you focus mainly on one particular aspect of the players? No, we, we are, we're worldwide. Uh, it's really hard to get in the agent business cold. And, and, you know, I thought recently retired, I'll get certified. It's going to be easy for me to kind of get some of my buddies to jump on board. And it was uh, the hardest thing possible because the first question guys ask is who else do you rep? Well, if yeah. you don't have anybody yet, it's, it's kind of tough. <laughs> so, so buying, uh, buying Mel's book, uh, it came with like maybe 15, 16 clients it was a good start. And uh, now we're worldwide. There's, there's 10 employees uh, at uh, RSG Hockey, and uh, we represent about 250 players worldwide. Careful. Good for you. Uh, so if we get to the player side of things, what's the biggest mistake kids make or young adults make uh, coming up as they're trying to make a hockey profession? Uh, the, to me, uh, what I've seen erode or, or become worse over the years, like the last 10 years, is that sense of entitlement. You know, I, I think uh, it comes from the parents, comes from the kids. You have kids who have success at the Adam level, the Pee Wee level, the Bantam level. And it's almost like, uh, number one, you know, what, what are you going to do for me? Because I'm so great, but you haven't done anything yet. You, you, you're not even at band level yet. Yeah. And number two uh, is this, uh, this need to skip steps, this need to show everybody that you're playing a level above where you should be. And to me, that, that, that is one of the biggest issues in all minor sports because players don't develop completely. You know, there's holes in their games and then you get to a certain level where you can't fix those holes anymore. And that's, uh, it's sad, but many, many a parent fall prey to it and, uh, chasing levels. Uh, I, I warn parents and kids about all the time, you know, and, and I have this conversation. Pardon me. So it's not a rush is what you're saying, right? It's not a race. It's, it's not, you know, everybody's, everybody's, uh, course is different. Uh, everybody's route is going to be different and everybody's timeline is going to be different. And it's very hard for some parents and kids to swallow that because they see other kids fast track, but fast tracking sometimes is finding out that you're never going to play 
that's the, the fastest route there. You know, you, you get to, uh, you know, U16, you get to junior, you kind of start seeing the, the cream rise and some guys have kind of plateaued. And so it's, uh, yeah, that, to me, that, that's probably the biggest issue in hockey. Good. So what I see, I have two kids, uh, one's in Banana, one's in Pee Wee, uh, both decent players. Um, not that that matters, but uh, I'd say I get people ask me all the time, hey, there's got to be some crazy hockey parents. Eh? I said, well, yes and no. 99% of them are fantastic people. I've made a lot of lifelong friends out of this, but I'm sure you've seen a few crazy hockey parent stories. Care to elaborate on any for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, you know, I've played with some players who had crazy hockey parents. I've, I've experienced this firsthand as an agent. I'm not going to kind of throw names out there, yeah, but course, yeah. uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, it always comes from a good place when you think about it. You know, I'm a parent of two kids and you always want the best for your kids. Uh, where parents really have a hard time is letting their kids fail. And where the most growth happens for every athlete is when there's failure. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're making every team and you're always the best player and you don't, you don't face any adversity, by the time you get to the pros, you will not have the makeup to deal with that adversity. And there's always somebody better and there's always somebody who's going to be better. And there's always somebody who's going to work harder. And uh, to me, like that, that is the, probably the, the, the biggest issue in development from where we stand, because, you know, we, we get involved with kids sometimes 13, 14 years old, and they don't even understand quite what we do. Uh, we try to give them guidance and their parents guidance on development. And it's become very specialized. And, you know, you get the skills coaches, you get the nutritionists, you get the mental coach, you get the one-on-one -on -one video breakdown coach. Now, like, you know, there's, there's so much going on and these kids are so young uh, that uh, it kind of gets lost. And uh, to me, like, I, you know, I've heard some crazy stories where I remember growing up and some parents were paying kids for every point or every goal. Uh, you know, I remember. Still parents, happens. <laughs> exactly. Parents <laughs> making kids walk home after a bad game. Uh, I mean, I, I've kind of seen it all. And, and uh, as an agent, you know, you, you, you can usually sniff that out pretty quickly. Like I, I will tell you, I'll meet with a family. Then the first 30 seconds, I can pretty much tell if these are going to be crazy parents or not. And if the kid is a good kid with the right character or not, you know, and that's, that's after doing it for 20 years and meeting thousands of people and being around the game so much, like you, the, 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 uh, the guys who can hide it, they're really good because we, I've seen it. I've seen the, the, the telling tale of either how they talk to you, how they talk to each other, the parents would go over the top and like, oh yeah, we're totally not involved. Like, well, like, you know, that's, that's a red flag right there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find yourself steering clear of these uh, types of people? Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it's not easy for, for an upcoming agent because uh, you don't want to say no to business, but as you do this for a longer time, it's not worth the heartache. I don't care if the guy makes a hundred million dollars in his career I will tell you if you if you compare it to that, the headache and the heartache you're going to deal with with these crazy parents, it, it doesn't add up. You know, like you, you you have to respect yourself and the job that you do enough to be able to say no if that presents itself in front of you. Right on. 
Uh, last one I have for you is I've got a kid, as I told you, in Bantam, and I see there's probably a handful of kids on his team that have agents. And I wonder what in the world is an agent doing for a 13 to 14 year old other than maybe, you know, this is their, their draft year, if you will. So they all want to be drafted other than maybe having ins at certain teams that they can junior drafted to junior. What is, what is yeah. an agent doing for a kid at 13 or 14? Yeah. Like, well, in Western Canada, it's become very common because you guys have that 14 year old draft for the dub, yeah. which puts a lot of pressure on, on families and players. Uh, what we like to do is just get, just educate people. Don't sign anything. You shouldn't be signing with an agent at 13 or 14. Honestly, like you should be getting out there, talking to several people, uh, being educated on what the do's and don'ts and the pluses and minuses of the CHL versus the NCAA. Because once you close that door, you know, once you play that 15 year old game in the dub, you can't go to the NCAA double anymore you've been taking all leverage from yourself and your family so uh a lot of times it's a badge of honor it's it's so mom or dad can walk around the rink and say hey i'm the same guy as this nhl player that nhl player and and that's all that is you know and uh really at the end of the day uh, our job is about educating people it's about giving them the opportunity to make the right choice because we can't make that choice for them but the more we can open their eyes to different programs and what's out there. And, and again, not, not everybody's cut out for the CHL. Not everybody's cut out for the NCAA. And, um, and sometimes guys are late, late bloomers and they'll play CIS and then play pro, you know? So it, to me, it's uh, yeah, it, it's sad. There should be a rule. Like in Sweden, you can't talk to a player until January one of the year he turns 16. That's, and it's a very well, like it's a very strictly observed rule in Sweden. But in North America, we don't have those rules. And if we did, agents would break them anyways. You know, so it's uh, it's it's very early, you know, 13, 14. I, I hear guys going to watch peewee games. You know, I hear there's guys going to the Quebec peewee tournament, starting to scout players there. Uh, so you can imagine it's, it's ultra competitive and you try to jump on kids early. But that's also where you make a lot of mistakes because... You know, between that, end up going there too, yeah, right? between that 13 year old to 18 year old age, a hell of a lot's going to happen, you know, whether it's physiologically or is a kid going to have the passion? Is he going to get into drugs? Is he get into alcohol, girls? There's so much going on that, uh, you know, it's not the same kid anymore from 13 to 18 a lot of times. Of course. Yeah. Great. So what, how, 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 how would you and your team, how do they go about finding players approaching players at what age do you, you know, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, with the age of the internet now, uh, you can't hide players anymore. You know, in the old days, people would worry about, Hey, am I going to slip through the cracks? You're not slipping through the cracks. If I see one more highlight reel of a 10 year old on friggin' Instagram. <laughs> I'm my brains out. So it's, uh, it's the players are out there. The talent is very evident. Uh, Everybody that does what we do, whether advisors or agents, we have our network of coaches that we know throughout the world uh, that are calling us about this kid, that kid. And that's kind of how it starts. You know, when I say that there's 10 people in my company, they're kind of placed throughout North America. And a big part of their job is scouting and recruiting and maintenance. So they're at a lot of games. They talk to a lot of coaches and scouts. And, you know, once, once you get you drill down into it, the hockey world is a pretty small world. You know, everybody on this call here probably knows somebody 
in common in the hockey world, you know, and, and that's, that's just the way it is. So it, it's become, uh, if anything, it's kind of gone the other way. Like you got, I got people call them all the time and uh, parent, whether it's parents or coaches that you should see this kid, you should see that kid. So you're, you know, when you, when you get those calls, 99% of the time, that's probably not a kid you should have seen, <laughs> but, but that's usually how it works out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you, you try to filter through it, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like, if anybody's worried about not being seen and not getting their chance nowadays, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. No matter where you're from. So do you, would you have, do you have junior agents? Like when you get these kids at an amateur level and then they sign a pro contract, do they, are, are these team members, do they stay with the, the player? Throughout? Yeah, usually, usually the way it works, uh, we're one of the few agencies that work as a team, meaning okay. that uh, a client of RSG is a client of all RSG uh, employees and consultants and agents. So that if, a, if a, a guy out West recruits a player, he's going to be in contact with him throughout his whole career, you know, until the NHL and afterwards. But then, you know, that player may end up getting drafted by Montreal and he ends up in Montreal. And then my guy that works for me in Quebec, he's going to see that guy on a regular basis too. I'm going to fly in and go see this guy on a regular basis too. So we, we usually work as a team with all of our players because it, it, uh, number one, uh, I'm very much a believer in a company culture. So if you don't work as a team, it's hard to build a culture. And number two, it's best. It's the best service scenario for the client because not only does he have one agent he's working with, there's three or four other guys he can call on different avenues, you know, whether he's in geographically closer to a guy or he needs something that that guy's probably a better expert in. So for us, it's, it's kind of pooling all of our resources to give our clients the best service. Nice. Well, yeah. And you talk about that team atmosphere. I mean, if, if, if you've got it and, and, you know, everybody's on the same page, everybody knows every player. So it works out. I'm going to kind of shift gears a bit. I, I've always wondered this when I, when I listen to agents talk and, and whatnot, have you ever, do you ever have to tell a player that, you know, maybe what you're asking for, you're not really there it's yet. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The dreaded, the dreaded retirement talk is the worst one. <laughs> that, that's I, I bet. I bet. That's yeah. at the pinnacle of, of, of it. Uh, and I've had to have that talk. You know, like I, I've been doing this. This is going to be my, this is my 21st year. So there are guys that have been with me, you know, since they were, yeah. you know, when, when I first started, they were 17, 18. They're, they're approaching 40. So I've gone through a, a career cycle with many guys, you know, and, and that one call where like, you know, like it's free agency and you're calling around and no one's kind of showing interest. That's a, that's not a good call. That's not, <laughs> it's not a fun conversation. And, but you've grown so close with this guy because he's been with you 17, 18, you know, sometimes 20 years yeah. uh, that you can have that conversation. Uh, but you know what? They always get mad at you at first. Like it's always like, you know, it's, it's human nature. You know, someone's telling you it's probably over. They don't want to hear it. And you're the one delivering the message. So that, that's tough. You know, that, that, that is by far the, the toughest part of this. Uh, the other talk where, you know, guys turn pro and they play in the coast for a while. It's just kind of spinning their wheels and they're not making a lot of money. That talk's not easy either. But uh, sometimes guys just have to reset. And, then, you know, we place a lot of guys in Europe. 
So we'll be like, hey, you know what? You've been in the coast for three years. You're putting up pretty good numbers. No one's really showing interest in the American League. Why don't you go play in Germany for a year and put up some numbers and make more money and, and kind of reset and have some fun and you can always come back. And so so those those are the kind of conversations we have on a pretty regular basis based on, you know, how guys do. But then I've had guys like uh, Derek England, Rich Peverly, like these guys didn't make the NHL until they were 28 years old. So, you know, those guys were frigging grinding it, you know, in the coast first, then in the American League. And, uh, and it takes a special pro guy. Like, you can usually tell by their attitude that they still have a chance. Like, there's pro guys, like, they hit a certain point, and you're like, listen, this guy will not play the NHL because he's kind of programmed to be that good American League player, and he kind of knows it. And, but then there's guys who are just like, no, I'm going to keep working on my game. I'm going to keep working on my game. And, and guys like those two guys are great examples of that. No, and that's where your team comes in, I would imagine, where you, you, you got to continue building up their confidence. You know, you can't say, well, you know, you got to have belief in your, your player as well, right? Yeah, it, it's a uh, – it's the one thing in, the, in this business that uh, is not fun, but if you have integrity, you will do it. Uh, if you get fired for telling the truth, then, then you get fired. Then, then it's, it's palatable. Yep. If you get fired because you're bullshitting your guys and you're 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 not leading them down the right the right path, then then you deserve to get fired, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, I've been fired over 20 years for telling the truth, and and uh, and I I will gladly have that conversation with the player and tell them, listen, you know, uh, if 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 I can do you one favor in your career, this is what's going on. You don't want to face it, but at some point you will. And some guys have, you know what. Have, took that to heart and came back years later and was like, you know what, you're right. Um, and, and some guys just don't want to believe it. Some guys don't want to hear, you know, and that's the, that's the dreaded, uh, that's the dreaded athlete. You know, the guy that can't be honest with himself, the guy that can't look at his game and know exactly where he is. Uh, those guys will usually stop developing at some point. And then, and then it's over. Great stuff. I'm going to, I want to ask you and, what is the most intense negotiation without naming names? We don't need, but have you, you know, what is that? What is it like? Give us a feel of what it's like being in the room. And for those that, you know, have got questions about it or what. You know, I, I think the, the, uh, the part of negotiating, I, I love this part of the job, but uh, the part of negotiating that gets a little hairy and a little hectic is you have to explain to players that once somebody makes an offer and you make a counter offer, that offer they made to you technically is no longer there. And some GMs negotiate that way and some don't. And um, so that's always that weird balancing act that like you're the guy in the high wire, but you're not making the decisions. The player is. And sometimes you get an offer from a GM and you're like, I think we're pretty much close to the tipping point. And the player wants to keep pushing it. That's stressful because uh, at, at some point, you're either going to push it over the cliff and the team's going to pull the offer that falls apart. And I hate to say it, but th this summer was one of those summers where, especially the free agency, where a lot of guys, a lot of players were looking at the last few years of contracts and focusing on that and being like, listen, he got four mil a year last year. I'm, I'm, I've got better numbers. I should be getting four mil times four, you know, but that deal's not there. Uh, this was like no other summer for agents. As you can tell, there's 
there's probably another 120 solid free agents sitting out there, you know, the NHL free agents. So, uh, so th those are the, those are the moments in negotiations, not always with the GM. Sometimes it's on the player side because they control the negotiation. They, they tell you when they want it to stop. And if they push it over the cliff, you're the guy that really that, that kind of push it over the cliff anyways uh then it gets ugly you know and uh, so so on the player side of stuff on the on the uh, gm side guys are pretty respectful they're pretty smart uh some old some older school guys you know will play the whole like okay i'm going to give you a day to think about it and that's it and i'm pulling the offer uh everybody's got their own style you know because like, uh, people always want to know that like who's the toughest gm all these guys are smart. All these guys know the market. We all do our advanced stats research. Uh, we're all, you know, we're all kind of, you know, familiar with each other because we've been doing it for so long. Uh, but uh, the, the tough ones are the, the unpredictable guys, the moody guys. The guys are like one day it sounds like we're going to get a deal done. And the next day you pick up the phone. It's like, I'm done with this. Like, Wait a minute. Like, it's like, what, yeah. what's been having me since last night you know so so that that kind of stuff is yeah i'm in sales i've got customers like that where you know one day you're you're buddy buddy and you things are looking good and then you call them the next day and it, no all right yeah <laughs> you gotta be you gotta be uh yeah you gotta be on your toes so it makes it tough um so al so you got uh, is it three clients with hockey canada right now at the world junior camp you I have do. yes yeah um, uh, Caden Gooley, uh, Gage Gonsalves, and Dylan Cousins. All right. So um, how are things going with them, obviously? And what are you guys doing? I know Hockey Canada will be there, too, to help them out during this, you know, quarantine period that they're going through. But as uh, on the agent side of it, what are you guys doing to help help them out and getting through these 14 days where they're not on the ice? Well, other than phone conversations, <laughs> that's yeah. not yeah. much we can do. Yeah. It's a... Uh, yeah, it, it's been it's been a tough time for uh, for hockey uh, Canada and the World Juniors, and and I think they're making the best of it. Uh, the kids have been great, the staff has been good. Uh, no one really, you know, there's no playbook on this. Like it keeps changing uh, here, there, and Red Deer in a hotel, and, and uh, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of rolling with the punches. But you know what? They're 17 to 19 year olds. They're resilient. Uh, they find ways to occupy their time. I can't imagine if this was like 1987 and there's no Wi-Fi or internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then we, we probably have bigger problems on our hands. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, this is not easy. But, it, you know, what, what I tell my guys and, and what they, they should understand is every day you're with Hockey Canada, even if you're in your room by yourself quarantining, is a day to get better. So find a way to get better. And whether that's you do your own workouts, uh, you read, you meditate, there's so many things that guys can do. And, and you know what, like this, this age group uh, is not used to this kind of stuff. You know, they're not used to, and I remember going with Team Canada on road trips to like Russia. And it was nothing to do. We'd be in the middle of nowhere, like just sitting in some crappy hotel. Yeah. And you know what? That's where you kind of got to dig down and find a way to make life interesting and, and find a way to make yourself better. Yeah, oh, exactly. Um, I guess the biggest thing here, um, there, you know, obviously what we're going through with the owners and the players and we, I agree and I'm sure you agree. It's not great to negotiate in public and all that. And they'll get this all sorted out. But 
can you give us uh you know the fans and us on the podcast here kind of a view why players are probably not so happy with the uh the mou that happened and that they're trying to dig up or redo again and also why escrow is is such a a bad name to players yeah i mean uh, you know i think everybody understands what escrow is and and the the simplified answer is basically uh we are a 50 50 league and it's the mechanism to make sure that nobody gets more or less than 50 percent you know so it, so the following season we do uh retroactive accounting to make sure that nobody went over the 50 percent line uh, as far as what's going on you know my understanding because i'm not part of the direct negotiations is that uh you know an mou was signed five months ago almost six months ago um everybody seemed pretty happy and willing to negotiate back then and and we got a six-year deal done and good for the game good for everybody now we're sitting five months later and we're talking about starting to play again and it sounds like on the ownership side they they want more concessions whether it's salary retention or higher escrow and uh, I don't think the players are very uh, uh, into it. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think I think they they were under the understanding that that was an MOU, that was an agreement that was signed and done. And in their minds, those are the rules we're going to play by. So that's really kind of the standstill we're at right now. And you throw in there uh, COVID protocol, uh, international border regulations. Uh, I mean, you know, there's, this is a lot more complicated than people want to make it out to be. So at some point soon, we need dates so that we can start the process going forward as far as getting international players back over here and, um, you know, and, and, and uh, figuring out what the quarantine situation is going to look like, uh, you know, and, and travel and families. And it's, you know, th- this has been a trying year for everybody, but, you know, people, a lot of people forget a lot of these players have families with young kids that are in school uh, so what are they going to do? Are they going to stay at home? They're going to go to their NHL city. Uh, some of them are physically in school. Some of them are taking online school. So there's a lot of stuff to figure out. There's a lot of smarter people than me probably involved in the negotiation. So at some point, I think in the next week or two here, we, we've got to get some semblance of when do we start. Yeah. Because if not, then we're going to, we'll get trouble. No, exactly. And on this, are do you, when this kind of comes up, do you got clients that are calling you and or are you calling your clients and letting them know like this is what the number might look like for you if you're making four million or five million with what the owners are trying to go to? Or is that something that you guys as a team break down for the players to kind of give them a, a gauge? Yeah. On? COVID's made us uh, become very resourceful uh, as far as client contact. So we, we just we have just under 100 guys like either under NHL or HL contract. So for us to, to keep everybody informed, we have uh, we have a company email that we that we use to keep guys abreast of, of developments. Uh, texting and calling is the most popular way. Uh, I get a lot of I probably got ten calls a day from guys just just wanting to sh- talk about it or just wanting to get a feel for what it's going to look like or what's my paycheck going to look like or am I going to get paid? American League guys are worried about you know prorating, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, yeah, the, the last eight months have made us really dependent on technology, uh, even a draft, you know, like we, we did a lot of video uh, showcasing of our, of our draft picks and, and getting it to GMs and assistant GMs and highlight reels and, uh, you know, different videos and information on players. 
because you can't see each other face to face. So you got to find a way to get the job done that way. Uh, but yeah, throughout this, it's been very stressful for the players. Uh, and uh, it's even more stressful as we get closer because we don't have dates. No one knows which league's playing and not playing. No one knows what their paycheck's going to look like. So uh, it's starting to become frustrating for people. And, and I understand why. Yeah, no, exactly. And well, we hope it gets sorted out soon like we all well, do. We're, sorry, boss. We're in the same boat as hockey parents, right? We, there's some leagues in Alberta playing. There's, and we're yeah. all kind of up and, wow, my God. And, yeah, I've, been, I've been trying to travel in the U.S. to go watch some games, whether it's USHL or minor hockey. And every time I book a freaking flight, like something gets postponed or moved. So I'm like, I get like, I, I How oh. am I going to see anybody play? So it's uh, it's the world we live in, you know. It's uh, I, I'm hoping. I think the whole world's hoping this vaccine kind of gets out there soon, um, and hopefully in a, in a few months here we're you know we're kind of back to a semblance of what reality looked like eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, I guess, well, one thing that's, I know it's pretty close to you and, and something I like to watch and follow through the your, your accounts is the, the RSG summer development camps. I know that with COVID, it, you know, you guys weren't able to come to Canada probably with those camps. Um, yeah. But what were, what are, what were you guys doing? Um, anything through zoom or, stuff on recruiting. Yeah, we, we, had, we had a really cool speaker series uh, for our players. Uh, we did a little bit of skill stuff, uh, nutrition. We had Kevin Weeks come on and talk about how to handle the media. Uh, we had uh, Rich Peverly come on and talk about uh, what, what it's like your first time in an NHL locker room with a few other players. Uh, you know, we, we, we really like to kind of bring people into our group uh, that have that life experience that can really talk about, you know, what it's, what it tangibly feels like uh, to be an NHL player for some of these young guys, because I think a lot of times they have in their imagination, what a lot of stuff really is like. And then, uh, and then you bring in some of these pros and it's very helpful. Even on the financial side, we, we, we had a, we had Chris Moynes come on from uh, one sport to just talk about, you know, what it looks like when you get your first paycheck and you take all the taxes out and, the deductions and you know it's uh, it's eye-opening for some of these kids i got they, yeah uh, they just see big picture so you gotta you gotta kind of drill down a little bit yeah and re- probably gotta reel them in a bit and hey, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um talk about uh we'll get into some of your clients here and and for people to kind of give a little bit of a you know a backstory as we finish up the podcast here but um you know and and what these players are like but Speak of uh, Jake Allen. I know that's a guy that's uh, very close to you. Your guys' time in St. Louis together with you living there and playing there, but obviously him getting moved to Montreal and what that, how excited was he there? And, and obviously he re- ended up resigning in an extension too. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, Jake and I go way back cause we're both from New Brunswick and uh, he uh, he's been a client since he was 14. So he's, uh, he's been around for a long time. He had a great career here in St. Louis. Um, honestly, that's all he knew, you know, because that's the team that drafted him and never been with another team. So it's always a little scary when you get moved. Uh, I'll be honest with you. We were both surprised it was Montreal. Uh, we knew he was probably going to get moved, but uh, that was a, a bit of a surprise. Once I talked to uh, Bergevin about it, it kind of made more sense. But until then, you know, 
uh, we were both caught by surprise. Uh, you know, it, it looks like we may have an abbreviated season coming up. So uh, Jake and I had discussion just about, you know, do we do an extension? Do we not? It's an abbreviated season and, and Kerry plays a lot of games. What's that going to look like for us free agency wise after this year? So we, we got to a number that both sides were comfortable with for the, uh, for the extension. And uh, I feel like they probably maybe have the best goaltending to duo in the NHL right now. I was, I was just going to say that. I mean, I think, I think Montreal got ahead of the curve. If they're having a condensed season, I truly believe you got to have a, you got to have at least two number ones, one, a one B scenario. Yeah. I mean, you got to have two healthy, solid goaltenders. Yeah. Especially I, he, you, he's the perfect personality for, for Kerry because he's very laid back, uh, super nice guy, family guy. He's into hunting, hunting and fishing, so he didn't carry a lot, a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's uh, – to me, it's a I, – I, I like it. I think they're going to be a good team. Oh, uh, yeah. That stuff. But I also see Jake Allen as a starter. Like, I, I, I see Jake being able to be a go-to guy for a lot of teams in the NHL. And I think – Jake still feels that way in his head too, but you know what? He's, he's, uh, he's enough of a pro that he knows he wants to go win a cup there. And, um, and he's going to play a big part of it because I think Kerry just played too many games. It sounds like, you know, from, from talking to Burge and those guys, like once they got to the playoffs, I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, the next, like this COVID scheduling is going to affect the next probably two or three seasons. Mm-hmm where there's going to be a lot of condensed games. Uh, there's going to be a lot of injuries and not, not to mention just the mental, the psychological toll of what everybody's gone through. So I, I do think it's a smart move from Montreal because now they have two, you know, really good goalies and they can both stay fresh. And uh, I think that's the, their team. They made some good moves this summer. Oh, and they got a boatload of talent mm-hmm. in the skating side. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you represent more goaltenders than any other agency. Is that correct, Al? Right. Yeah. 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 So give us a view on that as the game changes, you know, with this goaltending situation where do you see the, the game pretty much going in that tandem or you're going to have goaltenders playing? You're not going to see the 73 games that we saw with some goaltenders in the recent past. It's going to be a one, two tandem going forward. Yeah. I, I think the two trends I've seen, the 1A, 1B trend is definitely real. Uh, you know, guys are wearing down. Teams are realizing if your starter plays more than 50 games and you make the playoffs, you may be looking at trouble, you know? So I think that's real. The other uh, trend I've noticed is that number three goalie trend is becoming more and more important where people are like, hey, we need a real guy at number three that can play games. Because the playoffs are so damn tight, uh, you miss the playoffs by two to six points. That's usually that game, you know, that one game where somebody was too tired or the backup just wasn't quite sharp enough. And uh, GMs look at that and they're like, hey, wh- why not? You know, especially in the next two seasons here, I think that number three goalie position is going to be very important because I think those guys are going to play more games than they ever have. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely that's the way things are going. And it, and, well, look know. at what look at the Oilers in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. You know, Roley goes down, and and you know we kind of got question marks in two and three. Now yeah. they're one and two, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the other talk, which is interesting is uh, Kudobin played unbelievable in the play, in the finals. And now it's like, well, you know, should we look at guys under six feet, you know, or six one. So that, that conversation is wow. going on now, which is kind of interesting. You know, I, I, I don't know that we're going to go back to the small goalie, but uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to just hear the, the, the chatter. What, what, what's your full take on that? You know, I think UC Saros is another goaltender that's, that gets, you know, that conversation where he's, he's, he's under that six feet threshold, but you know, it's something yeah, that's I, passionate to you. I like, I, you know, I speak, we'll speak of your clients though, but like we're, you know, in, in, in that part of the game, where do you think that's going to go? I know you touched on it a bit. I don't want to put you on the spot, but. No, I, I think, I think a good athlete's a good athlete. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's definitely a trend. It's safer to draft and scout a big goalie. Okay. So, and let's face it guys, like everybody that works in pro sports, they're trying to keep their job. So, yeah. so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to pick the guy that's probably have the better odds of making you look good. But uh, you look around the league, like there's some pretty good goalie. Like Jonathan Quick, if it wasn't for the injuries, was one of the top goalies in the league. Yeah, uh, I've got uh, Philip Grubauer in Colorado. Gruby's probably six one, but he plays big. He plays like he's six mm-hmm. four because he's on his feet a lot, and and a lot of it has to do with your style. Uh, Saros is another good example. You know, like I think he's starting to take over in Nashville. Uh, so there there are some good sub six one goalies out there it just seems like the trend was for the you know the the big big guys you know ben bishop's a client and bish has had great success and he's the biggest goalie in the league yeah Uh, but uh to me it kind of still goes down to a good athlete's a good athlete you know i don't know if a guy could succeed at you know five eight five nine but i think if a guy's five eleven or he's six three uh, you know what? If he's a good athlete, he, he should be able to do the job. Yeah, no, exactly. And I would touch on Ben Bishop. Uh, you know, I, I, it, I, I follow your clients, you know, very like thoroughly and whatnot. And I think that uh, at times it, maybe it's just me seeing it. And I don't know what you want to comment on it, but at times I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. His numbers in the past seven years, eight years in the NHL are unreal, but speak of him as a, as a person, client, and I know he had some some surgery here, but uh, how is he doing, and how is that recovery looking too? Yeah, he's doing well. Um, obviously, the delayed timeline to start only helps the Dallas Stars because they got a couple guys recovering. Yeah, uh, great guy from here in St. Louis. Uh, you know what? Good family guy. Uh, they just had another baby a few months ago. Um, you know, it, it, he is. Uh, to me, like he's an easy client because uh, he's very low key, just wants to play, uh, not no big demands there. Uh, but he uh, he's a good team guy, really wants to win. Just untimely injuries, you know, just some some bad luck there. Uh, but I still think has a lot of hockey left in him, and uh, yeah, he should be you know he should be good to go here. I, you know, I'm hoping he doesn't miss a lot of games, but it's it's hard to tell depending on when we start. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess we'll finish up on this. Yeah. A couple of local kids here, uh, the brothers, Braden and Caden Gooley uh, talk about that family, um, the connection to them with, uh, with RSG hockey. And uh, I, I think these guys are going to be great top four, even t- maybe even top two defensemen in the NHL. 
Yeah, so Caden uh, going to Montreal, uh, that was that was exciting. Um, you know, he, I think they're going to take their time with with, uh, with his development, but he is, uh, you know, great kid, uh, very good family. Uh, Carrie and the mom is uh, and Mark have been have been involved with with their hockey development uh, throughout, and it is great for Caden uh, that he, that he had Brendan as an older brother because they're not that far in age. Uh, you know, the development, the, the development tracking always goes that way, you know, then he ended up going to PA also. Uh, I think, I, I, you know, Brennan has put on some muscle, looks ready to be a regular NHLer. So uh, chomping at the bit there in Anaheim. And uh, he's in Anaheim working out right now. Caden's with Team Canada right now. And I mean, he is uh, physically, both those guys are, you know, are in unbelievable shape. Caden for, for a kid who's 18 years old is, uh, is a man shot, you know, like he, he's, uh, he's physically developed. He can skate. Uh, he's got a mean streak. Uh, I think Montreal fans will be very excited once they see him there uh, because he, he's not far already. And uh, you know, and, and he's still very young, but great kids, very disciplined, uh, you know, uh, speaks well for that Sherwood park area and, and the development there. Like, you know, they, they uh, and they're very humble and uh, they want to help, uh, their own communities and you know so that that kind of stuff to me is, is very important but uh, I think they're in for uh, two long careers there for both those guys for sure for sure so all right well we appreciate you joining us again for the third time this is uh, great it's a uh, great great to have you on and um, any way that people want to get a hold of you what's the best way for them to to do that Al uh, well our, our website's rsghockey.com and uh, my email's on there too. It's, it's just my first name at RSG Hockey. And um, yeah, I, I, any, anybody's got questions or sometimes you, you kind of feel lost or you, you feel like uh, you should be following certain trends, feel free to reach out. Perfect. Well, you've been great to us and uh, we appreciate it again. This has been- Thanks, Al. We'd love to have you on once we get fired back up again. And Yeah, no problem, guys. Sounds congratulations good. Looking forward to going success. to Edmonton at some point. In the, in the right on. Year. I never know. I, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm looking forward to going to Edmonton in the winter at some point. <laughs> well, hopefully here for the World Juniors. We got a little got Clay here's got something planned for World Juniors week on our podcast. So if Sounds that, good. Uh, if the, we get All right. the, we got that going, we'll reach out to you. You can be a part of that if right. you want. So thanks. Right thanks for having me. All right. Take Have a great day. Care, Take care. You too. Thank you.